Hey everyone, it's Lawrence again. Today's episode of Hot Take is another special episode for you. Along with Nat and Kuya PJ, we also have two special guests again, AJ and Jeremy. And we talk about the impact of Kobe Bryant a year after his passing, as well as our influential players on our Mount Rushmore. Hope you guys enjoy it. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to Hot Take, where I, along with my co-hosts Nat and Lawrence, give you our hottest takes on all things NBA. But, fellas, we have special guests joining us today. You know, they're friends of the show. We got AJ and we got Jay joining us. What's up, fellas? How you guys doing? Hey. What's What's going on? What's up? What's up, bro? I like that uh, that background, AJ. Oh, yes, sir. Represent. Appreciate it. Mamba Den. And Jay, I like that. Uh, I like those plants in the background, man. Hey. <laughs> I water them once a week. Uh, they're my hey, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so today's show is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we're going to give you a starting topic. After the starting topic, we're going to move into our hot takes. It's another special edition of hot take. And guys, what I wanted to start with today is. Different than what we normally do. Typically, we do top stories, recap the week, give you all that stuff. And even though there's a lot of stuff that went on um, this week, we'll kind of save that for next time. The reason why we're doing this is for everybody that's going to be listening at home. By the time you hear this, it will already have been probably the day after we remember the late, great Kobe Bryant. Right. It's been a year since his tragic passing. And I know it's kind of a little bit of a, a downer to start the episode this way. But I think it's kind of, as basketball fans, you can't not talk about Kobe Bryant and the legacy that he left behind. Kobe Bryant and his amazing daughter, Gigi, and everything that you know they've done for the game of basketball. And when things happen in our lives... When there's moments that we try to recall, one of the things that we think about, we reflect on is, where was I when this happened? What was I doing when this happened? What was I feeling when this happened? Right? For example, if you take, um, you know, your 18th birthday, you know, where were you? Who was with you? What were you doing? Or you take an important occasion in your life, like, you know, AJ, maybe it was the birth of your daughter. You know, where were you? You know, what were your emotions? Stuff like that. And I kind of wanted to start off this way, just to kind of see where we all were, what was our mindset, what we felt on January 26th, 2020. And if you don't, if you guys don't mind, I'll go ahead, I'll go first, and then we'll kind of just go from there. When, when I think of January 26th, 2020, the moment that I heard of Kobe's tragic passing, I didn't believe it. Right. I was talking with friends. Um, one of them was AJ and it was just like, nah, this has to be fake news. Right. It was TMZ who reported it first. I remember I was with my sister and one of our friends. We were at a pizza shop in Newburgh and inside the shop, they had like TV screens and stuff. And then all of a sudden, like 
Um, it was our friend of the show, uh, V. She was texting me and AJ, and she was like, "Wait, is this real?" And I remember, like, "No, nah, this can't be real." You know, it's TMZ. Maybe they got their facts wrong. All this, so I was like, nah, I didn't want to believe it. All, and then all of a sudden, you see it on the TV screen was a news channel, and they had the ticker on the bottom, and they cut away to the breaking news. And I remember just sitting there, and like, immediately we all just lost our appetite. We're like, what the, everybody in the restaurant was looking at the screen, like, what the heck just happened? And you could tell some people were not basketball fans, but most people, they know the name Kobe Bryant. And the fact that everybody in that restaurant, even some of the people who worked there, stopped what they were doing to watch what was happening on the screen as the news was breaking. And I just felt like it, at the entire time I was like, it just can't be real. There's no way. There's absolutely no way. We went through that whole day. You know, we went on about our business. I'll never forget it. It wasn't until nighttime. I was just sitting in my car by myself. And then like it was probably like six hours after the news broke, seven hours after. And that's when I finally broke down. And I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I cried. You know, this is somebody that I grew up watching, whether you liked them or not, right? I was so mad that the 2001 Lakers beat my Philadelphia 76ers. You know what I mean? I was so mad when Kobe hit that buzzer beater over my favorite player, Dwayne Wade. But then you, I remember the moments where I like I loved seeing him perform and the things that he was able to do to win those championships, especially in the, you know, the right before the 2010s. And how amazing it was. And all those emotions just come rushing back and you just break down. You're like, there's no way. There's no way. I'll I'll never forget. The thought I kept having was he came back from, you know, torn rotator cuff. He came back from a torn Achilles. He came back from multiple injuries. And in my mind, I just couldn't fathom and grasp the fact that he had passed. And in my mind, it was just like, no, he's going to come back. He's going to be back. Give him a week. Give him two weeks. He'll be back. That was my mindset because that's what we got accustomed to seeing with Kobe. You know, 20 some odd years in the league and everything that he was able to do to go out with a 60 point banger on his last night. That was Kobe Bryant. And then for him to be gone just in a snap, you know, the snap of your fingers, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. So Adrian, let me start with you. Where were you? When you found out about Kobe's tragic passing, I was actually on my way home from the hospital. We had our our first child, Isla Jordan, on the twenty fourth, um, but she had to stay in the, the hospital. So uh, that morning, um, I had to go back home and get some stuff. And uh, actually, that morning I was I was feeling sick. Like, I don't know, I was probably just from all the exhaustion, you know, staying up and uh, with all the delivery and the baby. But that morning I was feeling sick. Like, I, I went home and like I, I needed to take some uh, ibuprofen or something because I was not feeling well. And I remember laying on the couch and uh, I got a, a text from PJ and V and they're telling me, you know, Kobe passed away. And I was like, there's no way. There's no way that this is true. Like I remember distinctly, I was laying on the couch, my feet up, not feeling well, and uh, yeah, that's 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 when I found out. 
when you found out, you said you were at home, you weren't feeling well. When it finally started to settle that, you know, all the constant news, you know, social media was just completely blowing up. When it finally started to settle, you know, what exactly was it that you were feeling? Because I can only imagine, right? You had this joyous, joyous occasion. And I'm sure probably your proudest moment was the birth of your daughter. And then I know for you, because I've known you for a few years now, you're the biggest Kobe fan I've probably ever met. So when it finally started to settle, like, what is it that exactly that you were feeling? Uh, I was definitely feeling heartbroken. I mean, I was, it was hard not to, to think about it. I mean, although, you know, I was super, super happy. My wife and I were happy that, you know, our daughter was born healthy. Everything was fine. And then two days later to find out, you know, someone that I, I looked up to, I mean, I didn't know him personally, but, you know, my... I grew up watching Kobe, uh, try to model my game after him, try to, I tried to do everything that he did, you know, and uh, to find out that he, he really passed away, it really, it hit me hard, honestly. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's just, it, it wasn't, it didn't feel real, like you were saying, it, it didn't feel real. Uh, and then once it was, you know, confirmed, like my heart dropped, uh, I, was, I was hurt. Just because, you know, somebody that I really, really looked up to, not only in basketball, but everything outside of basketball. And just, I was was just really hurt, man. It's it's crazy. Jay, what about for you? Like, where were you on the day of January 26, 2020? Um, If I can remember correctly, I was at home in my apartment with my wife and, um, that's where I was, and I received a text from a friend as well. Um, and the text said Kobe. That's all it said was Kobe. And I was like, okay, Kobe. I mean, he's like uh, Randy, my good friend. He's a he's a, he's a, a Kobe fan as well, diehard Kobe fan. And uh, he's like, I can't believe him. I'm like, what you, can't you believe? And uh, he was like the the, heli- the helicopter crash, and I was oblivious to the whole situation. Like I didn't I didn't see anything on my phone or anything just yet. And it would I mean you just couldn't believe that someone as big as Kobe, um, you know, celebrity status, just how much he impacts not only basketball players but a person with a status of like Kobe Bryant um, passing away. It was just hard to believe, hard to take in. Um, I'll admit I'm not the biggest Kobe fan, um, but he definitely impacted me as well. Um, on and off the court, just like a lot of people, he motivates people. And, you know, when, when he passed, I mean, when you found out, it's just devastating, you know. It was just devastating, and it was just hard to believe. And then, you know, with everyone, everyone else, his daughter and whatnot. But it, it was just hard to take in. You know, it, it's funny that you mentioned that. You know, you're not the biggest Kobe fan because even at the moment, you know, like on any given day, I wouldn't admit like I'm the biggest Kobe fan. Right. But as a Hooper, 
I feel like he taught me so much about the game of basketball. Oh, sure. I feel like while he played and even after he stopped playing, you know, him winning, uh, was it, wasn't it Academy Award? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, right? And just to see how he loved basketball and what basketball meant to him, you kind as a hooper, you kind of vibe with that. You're like, that's the same way I feel about basketball. And I feel like he, even though he wasn't my favorite player, I learned so much about the game of basketball and the love of basketball through him by the way he competed day in, day out, by the way he supported his daughter and the WNBA and all forms and levels of basketball in general and things he was able to do off the court and how he treated people, how he was as an individual, how he could impact a little fan, how he can impact somebody that was older. So I vibe with that. Uh, Lawrence, where were you when you found out Kobe had passed? Um, yeah, I was in a park with a bunch of friends and we were walking some dogs and just scrolling through my phone on Twitter. And that's when Kobe popped up in the popular page. And I was like, why is, why is Kobe trending on Twitter? Right. We go, we look into it a little more and it goes TMZ reports that Kobe died in a helicopter accident. Like you said before, it's like, it's just, there's no way it's TMZ. Like they're just trying to get a news story, get some uh, popularity out there. And then more and more news starts filling in. And then you're just like, wow, this is, this is real. Like there's, this isn't fake news. So that's when it kind of just, it sets in. And even though you like, we didn't know him personally, but he's just one of those figures that's like larger than life, you know, and it wasn't just basketball, but he impacted so many people with his lessons, with, passion and with hard work that it doesn't go to just basketball it goes to like your everyday life it goes to your other passions it doesn't have to be athletics and it's just that's why it was i think that's why it impacted so many people i agree i agree now what, what about you like where were you when you found out about kobe's passing yeah so so that day was a sunday and i remember i was i was still at church and when I when I had found out, I was still in choir practice, so I didn't. So when I saw it on my phone, I you know obviously I took it in, but I didn't fully like take it and absorb it because I was still in this you know uh, mindset about choir practice. I didn't like you know fully grab it yet. So after that, you know I was still like winded. I was still like kind of almost like not in the right headspace because after seeing this news, I was like, what is going on? This can't be real. So when I came back home after choir practice, I, I like just drove, I sped home just to get home and just like, you know, be comfortable. And like I opened the TV and yeah, it, it was, it was real. And like, I saw my dad and like my hands were shaking as I was like, dad, is this real? And then he was like, yeah, this is, this is legit. And like, but like all of you, like I couldn't believe it at first. Like I, I refused to believe it. I was like, there's no way. And it didn't hit me for a while until, you know, I, I realized that, you know, we may never you know, obviously, we'll, ne- we'll never see him again. We'll, we'll never hear his Hall of Fame speech. You know that kind of thing. And I was like, man, this—it's—it's—it was heartbreaking to even hear it. And you know, like all of you have said, just to wrap it up, I mean, it's—it's it's just crazy how of an, how much of an impact he has given all of us. Um, even for the ones who aren't extreme or you know, uh, you know, Kobe fans, we all admired him in some way. And it's—it's right. it's just you know one of those things that. We'll always appreciate what he's done for us, for the NBA, for the WNBA, just for 
all aspects of life, he's, he's, you know, influenced everyone in a certain way. AJ, let me ask you just to kind of shift gears here a little bit, right? Out of all the fantastic, amazing moments of Kobe Bryant's amazing, amazing career, if you had to choose what was probably your most favorite Kobe moment, if you had to funnel it down to one choice, what moment sticks with you about Kobe being Bryant? Probably 81. 81 points. That That's just crazy to think of, you know. Um, for someone to score 81 points is just unheard of. Uh, it's just unreal and just, you know, something. He had kids dreaming, that, you know, just to score that much. That's crazy. And so, you know, that, that, that moment really sticks to me when I think about Kobe. And that was the, the most since Will Chamberlain. You know, since right. Will dropped 100. Right. No, like He's only 19 I'm, I'm points a, away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it was just amazing to watch him drop those 81 points. And, like, I'll never forget because, like, of course, haters were always going to be like, oh, he only had, you know, one assist or two assists or whatever it was. But he dropped 81 points in a single game. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That was like that was just Kobe. That was Kobe. And like you see how his his camaraderie with uh Jalen Rose and like how he always brings that up and it was just like a funny banter between the two of them. But nobody's ever I mean the probably the closest one to do it since Kobe was Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. You know, he dropped like seventy two or something like that. And he idolized Kobe, you know, that was that was his guy. So 81 points for AJ. That was that was his favorite Mamba moment. Jay, what about you? Do you have a favorite moment like or anything? It could be anything related to Kobe. I wouldn't necessarily say I have a favorite moment of Kobe, like his last shot or anything like that. But the one thing I did keep um, about Kobe was it – it, it might be ridiculous, but it's how he kept his jerseys big. And I <laughs> like we we just had a season uh, during COVID, but we had a basketball season, and everyone was getting their jerseys, and everyone was getting medium, you know, fitted fitted jerseys. And then I was like, "Yeah, can I get an XL?" They're like, yeah. "Why are you watching Kobe?" I was just like, in my mind, I see Kobe, like how his jersey moves, and right. You know, style everyone started getting tighter jerseys like Dwight Howard or something but yes he kept his loose and it was just like waving as he runs like yeah. even like in, in that 81 you could see it a lot right like where his, how his yeah. jersey moved and it's just bigger yeah. and that's the one thing for me personally that I kept from Kobe was I mean besides all the life lessons that he taught and you know but that's that one that uh, Kobe does for me is how he wears that jersey and he rocks it and he stuck, <laughs> he stuck with it. He stuck with it even though he the did. changed. He yep. kept his big jersey, so I was like, I like that. It makes me feel fast. I don't know about Kobe. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to ask you. Yeah. That's what I was about to ask. Like, do you think he was doing it because it made him look faster than what he was? Because that's how it seemed to me. Right. 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 So yeah. I- I saw that. I was like, "That's tough." And then, because I, mean, <laughs> I was slow, so I had to make everything seem bad. <laughs> uh, but that's one thing uh, that I kept uh, from.
from Kobe for sure. Lawrence, what about you? What's your favorite Kobe moment? I really loved his last game as a Laker, actually in his career. Uh, when he dropped 60 <laughs> against the Jazz. It was in a tight game too, not like it was a blowout win. Like It was just an awesome way to go out. I love that moment because... You know, everybody's heard the story with Shaq and like how Shaq was talking to him before the game. It was like, you know, can you give me 50? And Kobe's like, nah, nah, I'm not about that. And then Shaq's like, man, the, the MFR gave me 60. Like, that was just Kobe, man. That, that was just, that was Kobe. Uh, now what about you? What's your favorite Kobe moment? Mine was also the last game too. It was, it was like, I saw it from beginning to end, but, um, just one also a moment that we all know, the infamous flinch. Oh, like like no flinch that he you know. Oh man, yes. Oh man, that's tough. He he, he didn't even move. Tough. I always remember that. Always so tough, man. Like I've been like debating this. Like this one might be weird. I think it's weirder than Jay's. Like for (laughs) me, yeah. I I think this one is weird because okay. So I was reading a book by uh by Bill Simmons, right? And he was talking about the all time greats, and he was ranking them. And, like, there's certain characteristics that he believes you must have in order to be considered a GOAT. And one of them is basically the way you carry yourself, your charisma, your charm, everything about you. And he was talking about MJ and how MJ could, like, on the court while playing, he could smile, like, at a section and, like, all the fans would just melt. Like, he just had that charisma about himself. Again, this might sound weird, but... I feel like when Kobe smiled, like he just captured your he just captured your attention. You know what I mean? Like not necessarily on the court, because I don't think he ever smiled on the court except for maybe his last season. Right. He always had like the yeah. scowl and everything like that. But like you see him in interviews and stuff like that, and he just looks so cool. Like what I loved about Kobe was like kind of like what Jay would say, like he just made everything look so cool. Like if you remember just everything about him, even in the late 90s, right? He rocked the fro when the fro started to come back and he rocked it hard. He never, I don't think he did cornrows, you know, he never did the cornrows thing. He did the regular cut. I don't know. It was just something about his charisma, the way he was with people. And one of my other favorite moments um, was when his high school point guard interviewed him after a post game and just to add on to like how cool and charismatic he is, his high school uh, point guard pointed out to him, like, I've never seen anybody rock a brown suit with a black necktie, but he rocked it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was just, Kobe was just swag. Like, man, there's so many, so many fun moments with Kobe Bryant. And I, I, it's sometimes it's kind of hard, right? Like, it's kind of hard. I'm sure, like, after this, we're going to be thinking, like, oh, man, I should have said this one. I should have said that one. But honestly, you can pick. <laughs> but, you know, you can just pick. You can pick any of them. You know, like there was Kobe was just amazing to watch, man. He really was. I feel like he was probably the there's always that debate. You know, who was the second coming of MJ? Is it LeBron? To me, hands down, it had to be Kobe because I think Kobe's the one that modeled his game after MJ. And like. I don't know. He everything about him, you know. So, utmost respects to and remembering Kobe, and of course his daughter Gigi, who you already saw at a young age. She had that mama mentality, like you knew for a fact she was gonna kill it on on every level that she played at. Um, 
you know, so regards to them, to the Bryant family as a whole, uh, this kind of brings us to our hot take segment, right? When you think about Mount Rushmore, if we were to do a Mount Rushmore of NBA players, players who we feel truly impacted the game, changed the game, made the game better, all that stuff combined. For sure, Kobe Bryant would be on that Mount Rushmore. Would we all agree? Yep, 100%. Right, hands down. He's on, he's on there. So we would need three more. Of course, MJ, right? MJ would be there because he changed the game, you know, in the 90s. I th- I'm sure we would all agree with that, right? Yes, mm-hmm. For the most part, I think we would also all agree with LeBron. For the most part, what? For the most part. For sure, right? For sure. Like, LeBron's yeah. on there because, I mean, what he's doing at his age, you know, and the, the thing with LeBron is the expectations for him coming out of high school, him meeting those expectations and even exceeding, exceeding. those expectations, yeah, you, hands down. Like, he's on that list. And I think the fourth one, we can all somewhat agree, like, in terms of pe- players who change the game and how the game is played, you have to put Curry on there, Steph Curry, because yep. the game is completely played differently now. When you have guys who used to average, you know, three to four threes a game, now averaging CJ McCollum's averaging 11 threes a game. <laughs> you have you have guys like Trey Young, right? Like, so you had, MJ, you had MJ and then you had Kobe that came from MJ, right? You have we'll get to some other players, but then you have Steph Curry, and you got the product of Steph Curry and like Trey Young. These guys mm-hmm. that are launching from like logos and launching threes like is nothing. So I feel like those four would hands down have to be on the Mount Rushmore of NBA players who change the game. What we're going to do now is individually, we're gonna talk about players who for us change the game for us who inspired us in one way or another or had an impact on us and how we view the NBA. So we'll start with AJ first. AJ, who do you have number one on your list of Mount Rushmore players? Uh, so my list is not in any particular order. Okay, um, that's fine. But I'm going I'm going with Magic Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm going with Magic is because... Um, he pretty much changed the game for bigger players. You know what I mean? He, he pretty much started the whole big guard revolution. Um, if it wasn't point for Magic, there'd, point forward, yep. It, if it wasn't for Magic, there'd be no Scottie Pippen. There'd be no LeBron James, no people like Lamar Odom. Bigs that are able to handle the rock, you know? So for me, uh, Magic Johnson, he definitely impacted the game in that way. Jay, what about you? Who, who would you say would be like when you're – Four players. On my four for number one, most impactful to the game and to culture would be Allen Iverson. Uh, Allen Iverson was my guy. Uh, During that whole Kobe and that Iverson era, I was the Iverson fan. (laughs) Frowning a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But um, I would say Allen Iverson on the court. He brought the street ball with him. Um, he brought who he was with him. 
And I feel like he kind of changed and paved the way for a lot of the players nowadays. Um, just the style of play, uh, style in general, rocking cornrows, wearing chains, wearing baggier clothes, um, bringing that bringing that type of style to the game. I feel like Allen Iverson really changed it. And, I mean, the little guy doing it all, dunking on people, crossing them up, and just having that flair. So I think Allen Iverson. So before we get to Lawrence, I'll just jump in because I also had AI as, as my, my first choice. Me too. For a lot of the same reasons. Also, AJ had AI on there also. Um, I agree. He changed the look of the NBA. When you have rules implemented because of you, I feel like you just changed the whole game, right? After AI, they had to change to like a, a certain dress code, which was like business casual. Because like you said, he had the the hat, the do-rag, the cornrows, the chains, baggy clothes, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. what I, for me, the reason why I feel like he changed the game is AI was truly a man of the people. Like he was one of the, if not the most prolific small men in the NBA, pound for pound, greatest hooper. Right, he crossed up MJ. He would body people. He would dunk on people. He carried probably one of the worst teams, like roster wise, to an NBA Finals and won at least one game. Worse than the 2007 Cavs. Like, that's how bad this Sixers team was. And, like, what I loved most about AI and why I feel like a lot of people vibed with him was he was human. Right. And he was an open book, and we all got to witness that. You know the story of Allen Iverson, the troubles that he had from before NBA all throughout his career. He was an open book. You know, his one of his most famous quotes is, you know, practice? We talking about practice. You know, everybody knows that quote, mm-hmm. but not a lot of people know the reason behind that quote and what what triggered him to say that. And he was just an open book. He expressed what he felt. I feel like he was the first player because you have MJ. He was very cookie cutter. He would say the right things. He would do the right things. Right. right? But then you have AI and like AI would keep it real with you. He would tell you what he was feeling and why he felt that way. So Jeremy, AJ, and I, we have AI. Lawrence, who who, who did you have on your list? Uh, one of the guys I had on my list was Vince Carter. Uh, I had him with the way he changed the game with in terms of dunking, right? Uh, we know Vince Carter as one of, if not the best dunker of all time. Uh, every time he went on a fast break, everyone like made sure to be watching. They put down whatever they were watching. They were turning their heads, got their camera ready to see how high in the air Vince could fly. Right with the the dunk over the seven footer in the Olympics, um, <laughs> yep. we have the iconic dunk contest. Right, how many times like have you guys put like your your rim down to six feet and try to go through the legs and slam it down? And go, I still can't do it. <laughs> still can't do it. Well, like keyword is try, right? So <laughs> right, right, right. That's why, like, um, he's so iconic. Half man, uh, half amazing. I had Vince Carter. Yeah, Vince also. Anybody else have Vince on their list? So Jeremy and, and Lawrence. Now, who, who'd you have on your list? So by my first pick, I know me and Lawrence have this pick. Um, it's Russell Westbrook. And he changed the way that we view triple doubles. Because at first, it seemed like a miracle to get one or hard to get one. But this man right. averaged 
you know, for three straight seasons, average a triple double. Like that's preposterous, preposterous. And step padding. <laughs> oh, no. oh. <laughs> that, that, that is true. That is true. I'll give you that. But have you ever seen a player 20, 20, and 20? 20 points, 20 rebounds, and 20 assists in one game. Like, come on. That was crazy. He did that in honor of uh, Nipsey Hussle. I believe that. Oh, that's um, right. That's right. That was the Nipsey so, Hussle game. Yeah. So, oh, my gosh. I mean, he's obviously up there for sure for me. That's interesting. Yeah, he, he wasn't on my list, but that's an interesting point. AJ, let's go to the second one. Who would you have here as your second choice? Uh, second choice, I'm going with uh, Nate Robinson. Hey, now. Oh, okay. Nate Robinson. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, reason being is he's, he's 5'9", same height as me. Um, <laughs> and the fact that he was so explosive and can dunk, that like completely changed everything for me. It, g- it gave me hope. <laughs> you know, it, it gave me hope growing up, and I was watching him dunk. I'm like, dang, I, I'm a, I'm a dunk too, because you know I'm gonna be like Nate. And for him for him to do that, and like not only that, but it, he he inspired other smaller guards. Um, for instance, Isaiah Thomas. Uh, they right. used to they would train a lot together, and uh, I mean, I think Isaiah Thomas took small guard to the next level. So they're kind of so I kind of have them two together on my list. Okay. Nice, Jay. Who who else do you have on your list? Um, I have Steve Nash. Mm. Hey, as a very um, impactful person and influencer of the game itself, uh, strictly basketball. Um, I feel Steve Nash has or still has one of the highest IQs just for the game of basketball. I mean, he made passing the ball cooler. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when it was like an era of Allen Iverson where it was ball dominant, crossing people up, having the ball in your hands. Steve Nash was kind of the opposite, um, moving without the ball, doing his move, and then getting rid of it versus just scoring. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like Steve Nash impacted the game of basketball for sure. I think that's a, that's a really great point. He was part of that seven seconds or less Phoenix Suns team, which I think they could have made it to the NBA Finals. <laughs> Possibly even win a chip, but mm-hmm. a couple bad uh, plays here and there and weren't able to make it. Lawrence, who, who'd you have? Who else did you have? Yeah, Nat mentioned it earlier. I also have Russell Westbrook on my list. Um, okay. he meant, like you said, with triple doubles, he changed the game with that. Um, I just, his explosive like, athleticism, like it just, it's unmatched in the NBA, I think, in today's NBA, right? Like everyone looks to him as like the, most athletic point guard in the league, um, just throwing down tomahawk jams, uh, been able to just go 100 miles per hour for the whole 48 minutes of the game, uh, and then like his his smile, right? Like he he plays the game with such a passion, with a joy, and like that's one of the aspects that I love about his game. You know, it's, it's funny that you and Nat mentioned Russ because now that I think about it, right? He came into the league in 2008. And I'm thinking about it. And prior, or when he came into the league, he made it. He made celebrations cooler, right? Yes. Like he would dunk with such ferocity. He'd be like yelling up at the at the you know the stands or whatever, or like you know he would do like the head thing and like flexing. Like he just made the after the dunk so much cooler. Like the celebration, like with the high like steps and stuff like that. Like rock the baby. 
Yeah. <laughs> now, what about you? Who, who else did you have on your list? All right. So my second player on my list is Clay Thompson. Now, he these these past five years, no one has terrified me more than Clay Thompson watching him play. Because <laughs> he can easily he can easily flip the game over and just take over. I mean, we right. saw his uh, what is it? I think just two two uh, two days ago, it was his anniversary. His uh, what is it? Six year anniversary. Yeah, thirty seven points in one quarter. In a quarter, right? That that was crazy. And also his game, uh, sixty points in just eleven dribbles. Like the <laughs> like possibly the greatest catch and shoot player I've I've ever seen personally. His um, his motion is crazy. His yeah, form. Clean. I mean, it's so clean. But just oh yeah, he's my second player on my list. So for me, I had uh, I had T Mac, I had Tracy McGrady on my list. Mm-hmm. I feel the reason I had. Did you have him also? I I forgot about Tracy McGrady. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> is, I I would add him to my list, but right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so so for people who don't know, Tracy McGrady, because a lot of people remember him for his when he played for the Spurs and then lost the Miami Heat in 2013 and like how he got like garbage minutes, but T Mac was. The LeBron yeah. and KD before LeBron and KD. Yes. Because nobody had ever seen a 6'8 small forward move as fluidly as T-Mac, as Tracy McGrady did. And right. you know you're special when Kobe Bryant admits <laughs> that he was the toughest player he had to guard. Tracy McGrady was the toughest player um, Kobe had to guard. The reason yes. being because Kobe said, he can do everything I can do, but he's taller. <laughs> he had at least two, three inches on Kobe. And for him to be able to do what he did, he was the youngest scoring champion. He is the ultimate competitor. When you make somebody retire because you dunked on them, you posterize them, you have to be on the Mount Rushmore. Because he made Sean Bradley retire after <laughs> dunking on him. Sean, Sean Bradley retired after getting dunked on by Tracy McGrady. Um you know, the, everybody knows the iconic 13 points in 30 seconds against yeah. the Spurs. Iconic. Everybody also remembers he was the first player to do an self-alley-oop in a game right. to himself. You know what I mean? And, and, and to dunk it down. Uh, one of the other things about T-Mag, a lot of people don't know, at the age of 23, by the time he was 23, he was averaging 31 points, six and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, and uh, almost two steals a game at age 23. If you compare that to LeBron, because remember, a lot of people compared LeBron to T-Mac when LeBron was first coming out. By that same age, LeBron's numbers were a little bit lower. He had 30 points. You know, He had a little bit more boards, a little bit more assists. But in terms of scoring, Tracy McGrady was unlike anything anybody had ever seen. And fun fact, he's cousins with Vince Carter. They both played on Toronto at one point in time, and it was just like a complete dope fest. But I have T-Mac on my on my list. Uh, who, who else do you have on your list, AJ? Uh, another player I had on my list was uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, Ooh. I had him too. Yay. Him. Yes, hey. Dirk. Uh, reason, reason being, uh, he, really, he really solidified European players. You know what I mean? Because before it was thought, you know, European players are soft. Um, but it took him a while in the beginning to, to, to get his foot in, but, uh, I think he really changed the game, uh, and he really influenced the game because now you have seven footers that can dribble, that, that can, that can shoot, um, a player that 
in today's game that kind of kind of plays like Dirk, but even better is Kevin Durant. Uh, if you if you look at Kevin Durant, a lot of his the, the ways he scores is it's like Dirk. You know, the one footed right. uh, mid range jumper. Mm-hmm. But now KD is taking it to the next level, being able to dribble, being able to shoot and like, create, and so. I think it's because of you know players like Dirk, you know you know you have these bigs now that are uh, shooting from outside and you know doing things that guards would be doing, but at seven foot. So, but yes, before we go to Nat, because Nat also had Dirk, I just want to mm-hmm. throw in there because you mentioned KD. If you notice so early on in in Dirk's career, he would do a lot of the same drills that KD does now, mm-hmm. where it's like you know you're at the free throw line, you spin around on one leg jump and then shoot the ball like KD would do stuff like that it was like weird uh positions that you would find yourself in a game and it would translate onto the court and i'll just also throw in there when you have a signature move i feel like you instantly change the game like when <laughs> yes, you're sir. when your signature move is ingrained on the court that you used to play on like you you did something right uh now what you also had Dirk. why why is that I mean, AJ kind of touched on, on like most of the things, but he, you know, Dirk kind of changed the way that big men are viewed in the NBA. Um, definitely, you know, with his size, being able to shoot, being able to have that, you know, uh, famous fadeaway. I, I think also like when I played 2K, like as a kid, I would play Dirk because Dirk was just no one could stop him. Code. You know? <laughs> um, also, one more thing that he did put the Mavericks on the map, I think. Uh, you know, yeah. Obviously, you know, being there for all of, all of his career, you know, it's, it's something to, uh, you know, something to remember. True, uh, Jay. Who 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 else did you have on your list? Um, someone similar to Russell Westbrook, um, but I think it's just a generational thing. Uh, for me personally, um, for the viewers listening, I'm 32 years old, and Matt and Lawrence are how old are y'all? 21, 22, 22. right? So about a 10-year difference. So I feel this this kind of has an impact on um, who we're choosing. But I would, I'm going to go with Baron Davis. Mm. Ooh, B. Diddy. Oh. B. Baron Diddy. Davis, for me, it's like the Russell Westbrook for Nat and Lawrence. Mm. He's a small guy jamming and yamming on people, right? Crossing yep. them up, going down the lane, and then just boom. So for me, I, I'd go with Baron Davis, um, influence of the game, and just once again bringing that style and that flair. And he's a little hefty, so to do it, you know, with it, in that size, with a little tummy, <laughs> give it to him. <laughs> I will say because everybody remembers him from that we believe Warriors team, right? Mm-hmm. When he dunked on Andre Kirilenko. I was reading a book about it actually by Shea Serrano. Uh, Shea <laughs> Serrano. And, um, it's a good book. It's a good book. But he, got right he mentions here. he mentions Baron Davis because like he has a, a a chapter in there about the Dunk Hall of Fame and like there's levels to it and like the most disrespectful dunks ever. Disrespectful Dunk Hall of Fame is what he calls it, and Baron Davis is up there because when he dunked on Andre Kirilenko. He lifted up his jersey, and <laughs> Shay Serrano's like, Shay Serrano's like, if you could dunk on the person and then lift up your jersey to show him your nipples, that's a disrespectful <laughs> dunk, man. 
<laughs> that is so disrespectful. That's a good choice. I like that. I like that. B Diddy. Uh, Loris, who else did you have on your list? Man, that's going to be hard to follow up, but I got uh, <laughs> Kyrie Irvin. Um, I think this is okay. a generational thing, but he is like inspired. <laughs> he's inspired me at least. As like as someone like my age, he's with his handles. They consider him uh, the best skilled player in the NBA today, maybe of all time. I don't know. That's that's a big controversial thing, but I just it's amazing to see what he can do with a basketball in his hands. You know, like I don't know if you guys ever played NBA Street. But it's like everything that he does is exactly out of that game. Right? You could tell Kyrie was playing that back in the day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. like, That's where he learned his moves. <laughs> yeah. Dropping Brandon Knight uh, in that uh, All-Star weekend game. You yeah. know, the iconic. Uh, we have the 2016 NBA Finals Game 7 uh, shot to yeah. – Clinch the series. Um, it's untucked Kyrie. Like I'm like my, my goodness. Untucked Kyrie. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Um. So now you said you said Dirk already, right? That yeah. was that was was that three or four for you? I have one more. I have one more left. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I'll, you know, this is also showing my age here. I picked someone recent or someone you know of today's you know, game. My last player is Anthony Davis. Um. I think, you know, as a big man, you know, they called him a generational talent like LeBron James. So obviously, you know, I, I had to pick him. I mean, he honestly, like he he is one of the most versatile big men I've, I've seen play. I mean, just, you know, from like last year showcasing in the finals, like how good he is on defense, how good of he is, you know, uh, protecting the rim. Um, and like all the, like just guarding one through five is easily. And like I, you know it was crazy for me to witness. I think he is one of the best players today. Um, yeah. I had to just go with AD the brow. So for my third pick, um, I, I felt not obligated to, but I picked somebody from this generation because they remind me of somebody that could fit in the old school generation or like during my generation. Right. Um, Cause Jeremy mentioned the IQ level and the selflessness of a Steve Nash. For me, in today's NBA, that player is Draymond Green. Everybody's going to be roasting Draymond Green and everything like that because he can't hit a three or he, you know, he just looks, his shot looks busted, whatever. But the way he impacts the game without having to be ball dominant, you don't see that anymore. Not only that, but he's the ultimate competitor, not just by the way he performs on the court, but how he is as a teammate, picking guys up when they're down. There's those famous um, clips of him like, Somebody misses a shot. And then, you know, they're at the free throw line and he's looking at him. He's like, you know, pick yourself up. He's like, watch, you know, hey, you, did you miss a shot? Clay, did you miss a shot? I miss a shot too. Don't worry about missing a shot. Just keep shooting. You know, yeah. or like what he did recently with James Wiseman. When he told James Wiseman, like, go at Mark Gasol. Like, I like that matchup. You got that. Right there too. <laughs> yeah, and Mark Gasol's right there. Like, how, how cold-blooded is that? You talking smack about the dude and he's standing right there. You know what I mean? Like, that's the ultimate competitor and Draymond, and I feel like he he's the most underrated key to the success of the Warriors and the championship runs that they had. And who knows, if he didn't get suspended for that one game in 2016, it could be a different story. Right. You know, Cleveland may still not have that championship if he didn't get suspended. So for me, it was the way he impacts the game without having to be ball dominant and his IQ, because you see the defensive prowess of 
Draymond Green and how he's able to study film and see how it's going to transpire on the court. He sees, sees things before they happen. You don't see too many players like that anymore. And it reminds me of that old school mentality, like a Kobe Bryant who would study hours and hours of film or Dennis Rodman who would study hours and hours of film to perfect his craft. Um, AJ, did you have a, another person for your, for your Mount Rushmore? Or was that four already? Uh, I had one more. All right. Um, it's Kobe Bryant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 I mean, uh, yeah, but no, no, no. For real though, uh, I'm going with Giannis. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis, got it right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with Giannis because uh, he's. If you think about it, he's like the modern day Shaq. Uh, just to see how dominant he is um, in games. Uh, and not only that, but just to see how how he, he he gets better every year. Like he starts adding things to his bag every single year. And one of these years, he's going to get a shot, and it's just going to be it's going to be game it's a over of time. for everybody. It's just a matter mm-hmm. of time. I mean, he, the, the the fact that he's not scared to take these like three point shots that's that's Mamba mentality right there. Like, yeah. shoot, even if you miss, just shoot. One of them is going to go in. And uh, I, I like the way he. Uh, he, he pretty much dominates, you know, in the regular season. I, I, I agree with that. I've heard that comparison to, to Shaq. Because people are trying to compare him to like, I don't know, like a like a KD or a Dirk. Because, you know, no, he's, no, no. He, he's European and whatnot. But the way he dominates is much like a Shaq. Like he could just take over a game and give you 35 if he wanted to. And it's all in the paint. Like you said, he's working on that jump shot. Uh, what about you, Jay? Who, who else did you have? I didn't have Antetokounmpo. I'm going to give you a little stint that looked like um, like uh, Giannis the other night. I don't know if y'all saw that. Uh, <laughs> dribbled the ball all the way down, uh, uh, coast to coast, and dunked it. I was like, oh, he kind of looks like Antetokounmpo. <laughs> <laughs> My last person was Kevin Durant. Um, That's a good one. Kevin, I mean, KD is KD. Everyone knows, and I mean, pretty much how unstoppable he can be, or is. So, um, KD is definitely on my route, Mount Rushmore, um, as far as influential and just overall playing the game at a very, very high level. At a, I mean, he's not the strongest guy, and he's tall as crap. But you know, we feel like he's gonna fall apart at any time. But. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny that you mentioned like not being the strongest because if you remember during his NBA combine, people were roasting him because he couldn't bench 185. <laughs> but it's like, what does that have to do with hooping? Like, he goes off. Also, I feel like because I'm from New York, right? We all know one of the most fam- famous public parks is Rucker Park. When you can roll into Rucker Park and drop, you know, 60 plus points in a game. You're definitely you're definitely somebody special. Kobe did it, you know. KD did it. That's special right there. Um, Lawrence, who else did you have on your list, or was that four already? No, no, I got one more. Uh, this okay. was actually like my number one influential person. This is probably very, very biased, both generation and team. But I have Carmelo Anthony. Uh, he that. was the, he's the player that got me into basketball and 
to this day why I still watch. Uh, the three-point uh, shooting, the scoring uh, potential that he has, the, always willing to back it down. The, the, yeah, Kuya PJ's doing it right now, the three to the dome. You know, how, yeah. <laughs> how many times we're, we're playing on the court, uh, you know, a game of pickup, someone hits a three, maybe a game winner. Is it, someone's, someone's always going to yep. be doing the three to the dome. <laughs> yep. uh, I, I think the, the moment that really got me to fall in love with him was the, the Knicks versus the Bulls game in 2012, where uh, he tied the game at the end of regulation and then in overtime uh, hit the three to win the game. And then as soon as he hits the game, like you see him like turn around, hit the three to the dome, and everyone's going crazy in the garden. Yes. Those have to be like the highlights for the Knicks fans. Like those Carmelo years. Because I know yeah. everybody was upset when they traded for Melo because they gave up so much. Mm-hmm. But you have to admit, it was so electrifying watching him, JR, Shumpert, just mm-hmm. launching Amari. threes all game long. They were fun. Yeah. Mari, yep. So like Lawrence, I, for me, I saved my best for last. Because I'm very biased. I'm even, you probably can't see, but uh, I, I got his world tour shirt on my back. Hey. <laughs> D Wade, man, the Flash, Dwayne Wade. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. For me, he will always be my favorite player, even though I grew up in an era with MJ and Kobe. Um, to me, he's the third best shooting guard to ever play the game. You know, with and probably the best shooting guard to ever play the game without a three point shot. Majority of his damage came from inside the three point line. Mm-hmm. He was just so smooth in the paint. I remember practicing his crossovers. I feel like he was the first one to where, you know, um, a teammate would set a screen. He would go in that direction of the screen and then cut behind his back in between the screener and the defender. Like, nobody had ever done that before, and it was just so smooth the way he did it. He just made everything look so, so clean. To bring his team to the playoffs his rookie year, and then in his third year actually win the championship and become the NBA uh, M- Finals MVP, and people are like, oh, he had Shaq. You know, he, his team was stacked. Shaq was old already. Shaq was already on the decline. You know, he was he was hefty. Um <laughs> Probably, hands down, the greatest blocking shooting guard of all time. He averaged almost two blocks a game. He had the iconic uh, block on Amari Stoudemire and then launched it, you know, three-quarters court and hit it at the buzzer. Um, the the clutch, all the countless clutch uh, shots, you know, the one on Derrick Rose's bull team, you know, hit the game-winning three. And then jumping up onto the announcer's table, like, you know, this is my house, this is my house. Iconic. Iconic. Um, the thing with Dwayne Wade was he was just like so iconic both on and off the court. Um, the the way he played the game, I'll never forget because he was endorsed by Converse at the time, and Converse had a commercial with him called uh, he would always do like fall down seven, stand up eight, and that was a testament to how he played the game. He constantly attacked the rim. He didn't take outside shots. He was going to attack you at the rim. And he would use his body to get to the rim, which is probably why his career didn't last as long as a LeBron James or a Carmelo Anthony because of all the damage he was doing to his body playing that way. But it kind of, he was like the Russell Westbrook before Russell Westbrook in terms of his athleticism to the rim because he's listed as 6'4, but he's actually more like 6'1, 6'2. 
And I'll never forget playing like NBA Live 2006. You know, you have like special, like, you know, somebody was a defensive anchor. Somebody was a three-point shooter. He was a high flyer. He could dunk. He just made it look so smooth for somebody his height. Um, he was selfless. You know, when the big three formed, he took a backseat to LeBron, kind of let LeBron take over. And on top of that, I feel like he's a great role model both on and off the court. Um, as a player, as a dad, you, you see what he what he does with like his his son, his daughter, um, how he supports them in all of their the things that they do. Um, ultimate competitor. He broke Kobe Bryant's nose in an All Star game. You know, uh, but he scored thirty six on him the next game. That's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. Kobe being Kobe. D-Wade calls him up to apologize. Kobe was like, I love it. I love it. And then drops 36 on him. But I digress. D-Wade for me was definitely one of my – the top for me. He's definitely on my Mount Rushmore. So I, th- I think this was fun. I don't know about you guys. I thought it was fun just to kind of see the generational differences, where we were. And at the same time – Honoring and remember remembering people who truly are the Mount Rushmore of NBA players for our generation, namely you know Steph Curry, LeBron, Kobe, and MJ. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we go to wrap up the show, um, if you guys want to plug anything um, business wise, whatever you want to shout out, AJ, we'll start with you. If there's anything you want to say, I uh, just want to say thanks, guys, for having me again. Uh, sorry, I missed the last last couple, but uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, yeah. Um, shout out to Mamba Den, by the way. Follow Mamba, the Mamba Den on Instagram. Yes, sir. Trying to get a workout in. Go see AJ. What hey. about you, Jay? Anything? Uh, I just want to uh, shout out Auntie Boba. Hey. Uh, <laughs> that uh, my family owns. So if y'all are ever in the area in Maryland, come stop by. And yeah, let's let's eat and uh, let's drink some boba. <laughs> tell tell the people, tell the listeners where it's at. Where's it located? Oh, seven four two Katy Drive in Fort Washington, Maryland. Hey, right by National Harbor, and we're hey. opening up. Uh, we're hopefully opening one up next month um, in DC. So yeah, if you guys ever come down, holler at me. What's up, Matt Lawrence? Road trip? Hey, I'm down. I'm down. I'm any day. (laughs) Wherever. (laughs) I'm down. We'll we'll hit up Auntie Boba, and then after we eat, we can go work out at the Mamba Den. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) I'm with it. What about about you, Lawrence? Uh, I got nothing. Uh, Thanks, guys, for coming on, AJ in Germany. Always a pleasure. Pleasure indeed. Nat? Uh, just to remind you, quick PJ, uh, your Miami Heat just lost the Nets. By- I told you. <laughs> I told you. I called it. I called it, bro. I called it. I told you. Oh, man. Way to end it. Way I told end you. It. I called it. I called it. it. I mean, I'm just saying. I called it. Um, with that said, uh, again, Jeremy, AJ, thank you guys for coming on. Always a pleasure to have you guys on the show. Uh, everybody stay tuned for next week's episode. We're going to get back into a regular format. Until then, everybody stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you guys next time.
This has been a Fuse Podcast original produced by yours truly, Nat, with music by Johnny C.